Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, May 21st. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We get the mayor's thoughts on the current state of COVID-19 in the city and hear about an ambitious new program called the Mayor's Innovation Challenge. Next, we head stateside and we get the latest on the vaccine rollout and details on the investigation into criminal charges against the Trump Organization when we check in with Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. The Tokyo Summer Games are just over two months away. We speak with Alberta-based Olympic wrestler Danielle Lapage about her journey to the Olympics, her training, and her experience in this sport, which started in her hometown of Olds. And finally, do you believe in psychics? We meet psychic medium and spiritual intuitive Tracy Horseman. We hear Tracy's story of when she first discovered her gift and how she uses her skills to help others. 8.12 and it is Friday morning and our weekly opportunity to take a look at what's going on in our city and get the thoughts of our mayor. And joining us now is Mayor Nahed Nenshi. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, friends. Happy Friday to you. Thanks for being with us as always. Wanted to get to your thoughts and uh, take your temperature in terms of how you're feeling about the current state of restrictions here in the city. Are we doing enough? Could we be doing more? Are we on track? Well, you know, what we know is that as irritating as we find these restrictions, they do work. And so we saw in November and December a real steep decline uh, as soon as we put the restrictions in. Uh, we probably started up a little too quick in January, which led to a larger third wave than probably we needed to have. But what we are seeing is over the last 10, 11 days, we've cut the average number of new infections in half. And what that means is that the number of active cases in the city is falling instead of growing. So that's all very, very good. But don't count your chickens. Uh, you know, we want to make sure, as I've been saying for some time, that we finish strong and that we remain disciplined and that we don't have to lift restrictions, and then pull them back in if we go into a fourth wave. Let's, let's just not have a fourth wave. And the way to do that is to keep following the restrictions, to be super careful, and to get your shot. Well, obviously, from what I understand, you're not on the committee when it comes to the, the province and making the choices of, of restrictions and when we open. But as a mayor of the largest city in the province, uh, you, you have a dog in the fight, most definitely. So I'm wondering, in your opinion, what do you think we need to see as a province in order to, to, to move and ease some of these restrictions, what do you think we need to see? Oh, it's actually pretty straightforward now. Uh, we need to see those hospitalization and ICU numbers come down, and they're still rising, as we expected, because when you get sick, you don't go to the hospital right away. So we're seeing the hospitalizations from the previous peak working through the system now. So we need to see those come down. And most important, we need to see the vaccination rates go up. Uh, really, nothing can open until we get... Still, nothing can really, really open in big in big ways until we get our vaccination numbers closer to, say, 70% of people with their first dose and getting above 30% of people with both doses. Mayor, this is a difficult one, and I ask you as first as a mayor and also, though, as just a regular citizen, because there are a lot of different camps in this one, but Stampede, should it go ahead? Does it seem tone-deaf to be even talking about it? Well, remember, you're asking me as a third party as well, which is a member of the board of the Stampede. Correct. You're right. And so, I mean, July 9th is going to look very different than May 21st. We know this. Things are changing rapidly. And what we don't know is exactly what it's going to look like. And the Stampede is one of those things where you can plan for big and pull back, but you can't plan for small and grow. And so ultimately, you know, the Stampede is planning for the safest possible experience, given the numbers at that time. 
And that could be a huge range of things. It'll be probably more than it was last year, which was just, you know, driving pancake breakfasts and fireworks and food trucks. It'll probably be some sort of odd park experience, but it won't look like a normal stampede. You know, for example, I'm having a lot of trouble getting my head around how you do a stampede parade safely. I, I don't think you can at mm-hmm. this point. But there may be some experiences that people can have, which will help us show that we're starting to turn the corner. But I think the critical thing is, my colleagues at the Stampede, this is not like the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota. It's not denying the existence of COVID. It's trying to figure out what you can do safely. So, you know, you can expect things like, I imagine, you'll have to wear a mask throughout unless you're eating your corn dog. That there'll be far fewer people on park, um, that people will be much more spread out, that a lot of the experiences that we love where you're crammed in with lots of other people are just not going to happen. What about rides there and things like well that? There may well be a way to do it. What about rides and things like that? You know, those are the things that are really up in the air right now, right? How do you try and do that safely? And again, that all depends on the numbers and where we're at. Um, keeping in mind it is the greatest outdoor show on Earth, so that gives us a little bit of flexibility. Um, but it has to be the safest show on Earth as well. Because your point is a really important one, Sue, around the reputation, Right. Mm-hmm. people will make a decision this year. Mm-hmm. Do I feel comfortable doing that or not? Mm. But what we don't want to do is we don't want the whole world to think that Calgary is a place that's reckless. Exactly. It doesn't care about your safety because that will affect participation in tourism to Calgary in many, many future years. So there is an opportunity to be leaders here, but it has to be done in a way that shows the world that we really put people's safety above all. The legacy of, of Stampede, uh, for sure, something that has to be considered in the decision. Hey, we, we've got to take a quick commercial. Can you join us for two more minutes? I sure can. 820, uh, it's mornings with Sue and Andy, and very fortunate to have another segment here with Mayor Nahed Nenji. Uh, thanks for taking the time, uh, Mayor. Happy to be here again. Let's talk, well, love talking taxes anytime I have the opportunity, as you know. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't? Well, you know, it's a fact of life, right? What is it, death and taxes? Let's talk about the property tax increase potential. A third zero property tax increase, is is that really a possibility? Where are we uh, with the potential increase at this point? It's not impossible. Uh, certainly, administration is working towards that zero Uh, It's important for people to understand the finances of the city, which are very, very strong. We probably have the strongest, well, certainly the strongest municipal government finances in the country, probably stronger in some cases than many provinces. And that has allowed us, um, we've taken about a billion dollars out of the the budget over the last few years, uh, which has really allowed us the flexibility to invest back in the economy during COVID with things like waiving all business permit fees for three years now, uh, just trying to help business out where we can, as well as putting in a property tax cut this year. Most cities had to do pretty big increases this year. The best way other cities could do is a zero, and we actually cut. We can probably do that a little longer, but I I really don't mean to be a downer, but you can't do it forever. Mm. We have been uh, increasing our taxes below the rate of inflation and growth for six years almost. Uh, since the beginning of the economic downturn. And at some point, you can't do it forever. So, you know, city staff, management staff haven't had a raise in six or seven years. And we are losing uh, people, particularly professional folks, uh, you know, accountants, lawyers, that sort of thing, uh, all over the place. So at some point, the new mayor and council is going to have to grapple with us. And the worst thing would be to be what happened in the 80s, which is you had many years of tax freezes, then a 20% or a 15% increase to try and make up for it. So the taxes are going to have to return back to 
a normal gradual increase at some point. All right, we want to, uh, before we let you go, give you a chance to update the Mayor's Innovation Challenge. What have you got for us? Oh, yeah, so this is great. We have launched this uh, new competition. It's a global competition uh, to encourage innovators and entrepreneurs and problem solvers to help Calgary think about how we manage the transition we're going through, particularly in the area of how we transition to a clean energy leader in the world. And so if you are a creative thinker, if you're an innovator, if you have just an idea that's not commercial yet, if you have a product that just needs a little push to be able to be commercialized, or if you have ideas on how we can change policy and planning uh, at, the, at the government level, we want to hear from you. There's prizes in all of those categories. And the most important prize is not just a little bit of grant money to help you commercialize your product, but the ability to work with the smartest people in the private sector and the public sector in Calgary to implement your product uh, or implement your idea. So you can find out more at calgary.ca slash mayor's challenge. Deadline for applications is June 11th. And we'll be having a pitch competition in front of some stars of the venture capital industry uh, in September. And we'll have three winners after that. Cool. Good stuff. Very ambitious. And uh, yeah, good for those go-getters out there. Have a great and a safe long weekend, Mayor. Thanks very much, everybody. Stay safe. Dr. Hinshaw told us just one more long weekend. I hope that's right. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's finish this one strong. And get your shot. Yeah, cross your fingers. Good advice. Uh, thank you so much. That's Mayor Nahed Nenshi. It is 710 now. Joining us down from Washington, south of the border, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News, Jackson Prosco is with us as he always is on Fridays. Happy Friday to you, Jackson. Thanks for being here. Happy Friday. I uh, just saw a headline this morning that the pandemic may now be in permanent retreat in the United States. A quote saying more than 60% of American adults have received at least one vaccine shot and the virus is running out of places to be communicable. That's great news for Americans for sure, considering where you were at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, here's hoping uh, that that is truly the case and there's not some variant that challenges the effectiveness of the vaccines, for example. But certainly, it feels like a really fast return to normal. And it's accelerating so fast down here. I mean, people are back to having house parties. You can sit at a bar again. You can pretty much do everything again. Uh, It is remarkable how far the U.S. has come. Deaths and daily case numbers are pretty much at their lowest points now since the start of the pandemic. I'm wondering because, you know, absolutely we want to get there as well here in Alberta and obviously across the nation in Canada. Uh, If you can take off your reporter and your news hat for a second, Jackson, walking around uh, Washington, D.C. as a citizen, how does it feel, uh, maybe even a percentage as far as being back to a normal environment when you're going grocery shopping, for example? Yeah, so I will say that, uh, you know, D.C. is more of a liberal city than many other parts in America. And so even though the mask mandates, for example, have all been lifted, you go into a grocery store, most people are still putting on the masks, even though you know no longer technically need to wear one if uh, you are fully vaccinated. Out and about walking around, we at one point had an outdoor mask mandate. That's gone now as well. And I would say that probably 70% of people are no longer wearing masks when you're out and around. But I think the big tell of getting back to normal is that you can do all those things that you haven't been able to do for the past 14 months, like sit at a bar, sit in a fully indoor restaurant with no capacity restrictions. Uh, I've been invited to a, a house party here in a couple of weeks where the invite clearly said, 
Please only attend if fully vaccinated. That's where we're at right now. Oh, fascinating. Okay, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and move to uh, what's, uh, I guess, potentially going to be a pretty big investigation, but a divided house, yes, but still voting to create a commission that will look into that January 6th Capitol riot. Yeah, you know, uh, Republicans have have been wary of this, but some are breaking ranks with the party. But essentially, the calls were to investigate this uh, in the same way that 9-11 was investigated, with a similar bipartisan commission, equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats. But Republicans are now backing away from this entirely. Some are even downplaying what happened. One has essentially said that uh, the rioters at the Capitol on January 6th were just like a bunch of tourists. And others saying there was really no violence there. It was mostly peaceful. And of course, we know that is not the reality of what's happened. And some Republicans who were on board with an investigation but have now changed their minds and walked it back have been frank. And they said, look, they don't want the findings of this to dominate the 2022 midterm elections, which they no doubt would. And of course, we know at the end of the day that former President Donald Trump still sitting on the sidelines is a big factor in all this. He doesn't want this investigated. And there are certain members of Congress who no doubt are worried about what might turn up about potentially their own roles in all of this as well. Wow, incredible. And it's months back. Good to see that the door is not closed there. Very interesting times that first week of January. Let's talk about the economy and, and, and where things are at this point, because I know that uh, just as businesses were, were battered here due to the pandemic, uh, want to try to have some stimulation and get things going. Uh, what are you seeing down there? Yeah, the, the, the bounce back is happening. I mean, the housing market is red hot like it is in Canada, for example. Uh, you know, interest rates are still low. Businesses are bouncing back. In fact, one of the biggest problems businesses are having down here right now is hiring enough staff. So even though capacity limits on restaurants, for example, are now gone, restaurants might not be able to fully open because they can't hire people to work in them. Part of the reason for that, of course, is that unemployment benefits were boosted. They were made more generous during the pandemic. They haven't expired yet. And so you've got some people who are not yet ready or willing to go back to work, are more comfortable receiving unemployment benefits, that it might be more generous than their own salary. And so you're seeing some states actually cancel their unemployment benefits and give people a return to work bonus instead to encourage them to reenter the job market. Wow. Are there still bonuses being, speaking of, bonuses being given or incentives being given to, to people to go get the, the, the um, vaccine as well? Oh, boy, are there ever. You know, in Maryland, which, of course, is right next to Washington, D.C., they announced a lottery this week. There are going to be, I believe, five or ten smaller prizes, and then the winner of that will be entered into a grand prize. Uh, you've got Ohio with $5 million prizes and a special lottery for the fully vaccinated wow. workplaces, handing out cash incentives. Uh, West Virginia is handing out $100 savings bonds. Texas is paying people 50 bucks in cash. So all sorts of incentives are out there. But I think the biggest, most powerful one is what they call the social incentive, which is showing people what you can do when fully vaccinated. And in that vein, you're seeing Major League Baseball, for example, have stadiums where there are sections reserved for the fully vaccinated with no masks and no distancing. And if you haven't been vaccinated, you can actually get your shot while you're in the stadium going to a baseball game and they'll throw throw some free baseball tickets at you while you're doing it. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're giving point. we're giving away some free beer in Calgary at a couple of restaurants. So yeah, we've like got we've got that. A pint, not yeah. 50 bucks like we heard. <laughs> hey, you know what? There was a brewery in my neighborhood that uh, last weekend did a pop-up clinic. So they were giving out the one-shot J&J vaccine with a free beer. Great way to encourage people, Love it. right? That's wow. awesome. Now we're thinking about beer. Yep. Uh, let's get serious. And <laughs> the name Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, we've not heard it too much over the past few months, but now we're hearing the Trump name uh, in the, the Trump organization being investigated for possible criminal charges. Can you break this down for us, Jackson? 
Yeah, this is that investigation launched by New York State diving into the Trump organization, questionable business practices, uh, you know, tax evasion, all sorts of things they're looking at. And essentially a central focus of all that right now is a man named Alan Weisselberg, and he was the money guy for the Trump organization. And if you sort of read between the lines here, prosecutors are sort of employing a familiar tactic, which is they're putting the pressure on him to get to somebody bigger. Well, in the Trump organization, mm. the only bigger people have the last name Trump. They're either Trump himself or his children. So you sort of get a sense of where this is all headed. Interesting. We'll be watching that one play out for sure. Thanks for joining us and have a great weekend, Jackson. Have a great weekend. Thank you. That is Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Big week for a wrestler based in Calgary. Danielle Lapage found out she's heading to Tokyo for the Olympics. We're joined now by Danielle to chat about the hard work she's put in to make this happen. First off, congrats, wow, on making the Olympic team, Danielle. How are you feeling about that? That's amazing. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's very exciting. It's been a lot of hard work to get here, and I've been through a lot. It's very exciting, and I'm very happy. Let's, uh, you know, talk about uh, this is your second trip to the Olympics. Your your first one uh, didn't go as you hoped. Uh, tell uh, the people what happened. No. Um, in Rio in 2016, uh, during my warm-up, 10 minutes before my first match at the Olympics, I ruptured a hamstring. <sighs> and so I was had to forfeit. I tried to go out there and wrestle my first match, but obviously um, I couldn't do it. And so I had to forfeit from that match and then the rest of the tournament. That would be heartbreaking. I mean, you work so hard to go to something like the Olympics. So, boy, that's and that's a pretty extreme injury. How much work did you have to put in after that injury to really kind of get back to form, to make your way to where you are now? Yeah, it was very unusual, very heartbreaking. It was my first Olympics. Obviously, I didn't know I would get a second chance. Um, and so... Yeah, the the few months, days and months after that injury were were very devastating, very difficult for me. But I mean, the year after that is was a rehab year for me, and uh, injuries were not new and are not um, a novel thing for an athlete and for me specifically. And so it was just a year of mentally and physically getting myself back to where I was. And it, it was hard, but obviously I did it, and it's behind me now. And I think it's made me a stronger person and athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had your eyes, I'm sure, on Tokyo for, for quite some time now. And I know that uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic has had an impact. I'm wondering what sort of an impact that it had on your training. Uh, how much of an issue was that? And, and what did you do to get around it? Yeah, it's, it's had a huge impact. Last year, last March, was my last tournament that I have had, the last time I've traveled to compete. And so... I'm actually leaving on Saturday for my first competition since then. So it's been a very long time of not competing and we're very used to traveling regularly to get competitions and camps in. So it's been very odd. Uh, wrestling is a very, you know, in your face sport. And so you can't do it on your own. And there's been moments where we haven't been allowed to practice with a partner and be around each other, our training partners and coaches, for example. But you know, we've we've made it work. We've made makeshift gyms in random areas and basements or garages. And we've there's been some moments where we've actually wrestled outside on the grass um, <laughs> because the venues or our old training facilities have closed down at certain times during this this last year and a bit. 
um, because of COVID. But, you know, we've made it work. We've made the, the most of it. And I think we've done a pretty good job. Did, did I hear this right? Did you grow up in the Olds area? Yeah, so I was are you born and raised in Olds, Alberta. Farm girl then? Not really. Oh, I was going to say, maybe go back to the farm and you like throw hay bales around or something yeah, to keep yeah. yourself in shape, right? Yeah. Well, my brother is a farmer, so I could use his farm. <laughs> so, so I'm wondering, though, like the, this sport, you know, you have to be laser focused when it comes to wrestling. Um, as far as uh, the facilities and the resources, obviously, Nate, you're now training in Calgary. What was it like and how, and how did growing up in Olds influence you in your athletic career? Growing up in Olds, you know, I the town is so pretty small and mm-hmm. everybody there is so supportive. I've received nothing but positivity and, and help from, from everybody in the town since I was a young girl, you know, going to my first national championship. So I am so thankful all the time that I'm from such a small town and such a supportive town wrestling. Like I'm 30 years old now, so I'm quite an old athlete. Um, I started wrestling in sixth grade Wow. and yeah, and I was I've been wrestling ever since, so that's a very long time. Um, and wrestling, even still, but especially back then, wasn't the most popular sport in schools, especially for for young girls. And I am just like so thankful and so lucky that it was at that time offered at the at the middle school in Old. Just you know, the timing of your life, <laughs> you just have to look back and be thankful that it worked out the way it, it has and. Um, yeah, I, I owe the, the coach there, um, Mr. Dick Nader was his name, like a lot because, because of him, I, I am where I am essentially. Danielle, before we let you go, I want to touch on what it's going to be like going to Tokyo to the games. What kind of, have you gotten your shot, your vaccine? What does that look like? Do you, did the athletes really, are, are you guys informed moving forward? No, do you know what? We don't have very much information. Um, I'm just trying to keep my head down and focus on preparing the best I can uh, and being the best wrestler I can be come, come the day of competition. In terms of logistics and everything, like we're not very, we're not told very much. Um, I do have my first vaccine because I am eligible. I'm 30 years old. Well, I guess everybody over 12 now can get it, but Mm -hmm. I did jump right on the opportunity when I was eligible in the province. And so I have my first dose um, and hopefully I'll be able to get my second by the time I leave. But if not, I feel um, pretty optimistic Mm -hmm. just because I do have my first one. And then we are told that um, like no overseas spectators can come. So my family and my friends came to Rio, the last Olympics. They won't be able to come to this one. Um, and the fans will be limited in the stands. We've been told that kind of information. But beyond that, we haven't been told much. Well, all eyes on Tokyo. And uh, we don't know exactly what it'll look like, but we wanted to wish you good luck. Yes. And uh, thank you for taking the time, Danielle. Thank you guys very much. Thanks for having me. That is Danielle Lapich, Calgary wrestler, going for gold at the Tokyo Olympics. And just around the corner, I mean, mm-hmm. they're supposed to start in July. Well, they are starting in July, yeah. barring any unforeseen circumstances. Like, I don't know, the people of Tokyo not wanting it? I'm it's, not sure. It's crazy. Tony King, who uh, always brings us up to speed with everything happening locally and beyond, uh, brought us some details and snippets. But the actual number, I'm, I'm reading this on the computer right now, 83% of those polled in Japan say no go. 83% of your own citizens aren't yeah. comfortable the rock in the heart place is talking to somebody like Danielle who puts every ounce of energy mm. in training for something like this. And it's a life dream. The first one blown up huh. and now has the opportunity. Like, I mean, it's a few and far between these athletes that get to go to two or more 
Olympics. So yeah. to be able to go back again, especially in a in a hardcore event like wrestling, wow. I mean, good on you. But yeah, to have people who aren't the people who are in the country where you're going to be traveling don't really want the games to go ahead. You can't take your family. I mean, isn't that half the fun of being oh, an yeah. Olympic athlete is your friends and family get to go and cheer you on and, and be part of it and the experience of it all. I feel bad for the athletes. So I really do hope that the games happen for them because they've been waiting and training and waiting again. And I just hope that it happens and happens safely. And I, I don't know because, believe it or not, I've never been close to that level what? of athleticism. I thought you had. But I, w- I would think, yes, you want to compete on the world stage. Yes, you've been bottled up, ready for this. But would, would not part of you and part of your psyche be swirling in your, in your head? I want my Olympic moment, but I want it to be a regular, pristine, proper Olympics, so yeah. to speak. Because this mean, is going to be a, a very interesting Olympics. on your Friday morning. Tracy Horseman is a psychic medium and spiritual intuitive. She spends her life reconnecting people with their loved ones who have passed. And she joins us now. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Hey, can you tell us, when did you first know? Were you a child? Were you grown? When when you realized that you had psychic abilities, when when was that? Well, I knew I was weird my whole life. (laughs) I was very different than other people. Um, and I guess I finally, I got haunted enough until I finally passed on a message from somebody to somebody else that I was very afraid to pass on. There's a lot of stigmas with this, right? So it was scary for me. But when I did, um, it it changed people's lives. And that's what gave me the ability to kind of learn how to, what was actually going on with me. Wow. When you when you say passed a message on, Tracy, I'm wondering, well, for example, you know, we can see what we can see. And obviously yeah. the people we've lost, we, we cannot see. Are, are are the people that we've lost in our lives, family members, perhaps good friends, are, are they always around us? Well, here's the thing is we live in a vibrational universe, right? Everything in this, vi- in this universe is vibrational. So um, the dead are still here, but when we lose the physical body, the soul is still here, but it vibrates very, very quickly, like the blades of a fan. When they get going around very fast, you can't see them, but they're there. If you stick your finger into those, that fan, you're going to get a, t- taken off, but your, dead, your loved ones are still here. They just communicate with different vibrational frequencies, and that's what our senses are for, is they pick up all the different variations of frequencies our eyes our nose our ears they all pick up different forms of frequencies and we have more than the five physical senses just most people i guess have not learned to develop them as much i guess yeah and 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 i think too which i i learned from you last night i'll explain that in a second but you know i think most of us miss the signs that are coming from our loved ones who have passed as well. So that leads me to saying that, you know, during a pandemic, it must be difficult to to really kind of feel all the things that you would feel. But I I was able to join. Thank you for letting me join a a group reading that you did last night. So that leads me to do you do individual readings? and, And how is that to do something online versus in real life with somebody? For me, as long as I have a connection to somebody's energy via on the phone or video or in person, then it is no different than being right there in front of you. I, the, the dead have the ability to be in all places at the same time because they're just energy. So it, I've done readings with people on the other side of the world, and I can feel when they're in a high-rise building because I'm afraid of heights, so I'll get queasy. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, that's incredible. Tracy, tell us this. What sort of a person goes to visit a psychic medium? What, what sort, who are your clients? People that are looking for closure, people that um, are looking for understanding and clarity. Sometimes people are experiencing their own intuitions waking up. Um, sometimes people are just needing to know validation that their loved ones are there. That's what I love about spirit, too, is that they don't give you validations you can find on Google or on your, your Facebook or anywhere like that. They give you validations about things going on in your world that no one knows about. Well, people can go online, join your groups, join individually. It's thmedium.ca. Thanks for joining us, Tracy. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. That is Tracy Horseman, psychic and medium.